TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and gone. Touch them all. It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. That's in high and deep to left center field. Heading back is Desmond. And that ball is gone. Right next to the batter's eye, and had it been hit a little bit more central, it may have cleared the batter's eye. A long home run for Nelson Cruz. That's exactly what Nelson Cruz brings to the Twins offense. Hit. Twins TV on the call. Nelson Cruz busting out the boomstick. It's touch them all here on Score North. <laughs> Wasting on no time. And scorenorth.com. That's our Twins insider, Derek Wetmore. You read his work and see his work at scorenorth.com and across our social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. We made it real easy for you to follow us on all those platforms at SKOR North. You can chime in on the show. Via Twitter at Score North. Give us a call, 651 646 8255. I'm Amory Makloff, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass, and getting you ready for opening day. We are just over 24 hours away. Derek Wetmore, I was just telling Judd during Purple Daily yesterday, I was at Target Field for uh, Target Field Food Day. Yeah. And uh, when I needed to take a break, break from the food, and I still can't speak properly as I recover from that experience, I needed a break <laughs> okay. from the food and just to breathe some fresh air. And so yeah. I took the opportunity standing out there at the new uh, Gate 34 experience Oh, sure. to just walk up to the railing and look over the field and breathe in the fresh green grass and watch Watch the grounds crew go to work on Target Field. They had the opening day graphics up on the Jumbotron above the scoreboard in center field. And I got that feeling. Like, I can't describe it as anything other than that feeling when I know it's right. baseball season. Opening you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you, because I saw the videos you guys posted to cheap plug mm-hmm. at score north on Twitter.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. I s- I saw the videos of that new gate, which isn't new to you. I suppose that's maybe your first time inside Target Field. Yeah, but that used to just like be concrete. Full, oh, really? Over out in right field. Yeah, there were there was construction going on there when we had our event that's a right. couple months back at Score So North, let me ask you. Target Field. Yeah, we did the like pre-launch party there mm-hmm. in that sort of corner bar. Yeah. Is that real grass up there? No, or, it's it's like turf. AstroTurf. That I makes think, a yeah. lot more sense because I'm picturing myself like <laughs> everyone who comes to Target Field, by and large, is coming through that gate. Right. And if that thing gets trampled six out of seven days in April, good luck no, keeping soft, that green. No, cushy af- astro Okay, that makes actually, a lot yeah, it was really more nice. sense. Okay. It was really nice, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing that because that's not really a spot you would go hang out, like media anyway. Wouldn't find yourself out in right field. But I, I used to have a job where I kind of walk around the stadium, and so I got to know sort of every corner of the park. Right. There was nothing special about that spot out there. They put some seats out there just beyond the flower pots and – it's like, okay, that's the bleachers that it seems are there. Like, I'll say this. It seems like a cool place to hang out and, uh, you know, to sort of mingle and, and commiserate and socialize sure, and whatnot. commiserate. Right, but... I thought you said they're winning the division, Rami. <laughs> <laughs> what are we commiserating for? That, but that's what I was just going to say is sure. that you can't really see most of the field from out there oh, is that at right? gate 30. Like if you're standing if you're standing in that like astroturf area, interesting. You can maybe see a third of the field. So while they were at it doing all this construction, I wonder if they could have poured some more concrete to like raise it up a little up bit a little. Sure. and give you an actual view down onto the field. What's amazing, uh Target Field to me has two draws, two charms. Mm-hmm. One of them is, is not you, having a roof. Are we yeah, good? Well, that's the third charm. <laughs> 
Probably the most prominent one, and that's okay. what stands out to me. Boy, right, this place is beautiful. This. It's the day before opening day. Let's focus on the positive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so optimism reigns here. There are two things that I think are great about Target Field. One, if you're going there to watch a baseball game, there's a high enough percentage of the people there that are in your same boat mm-hmm. that it's not one of those 15 people cheer for a full count. It's like, okay, people are in the game. You you know, it's not going to be everybody, of course. You brought right. your brother-in-law who doesn't care beans about baseball. But, like, you've got a good percentage of people there who are watching the game, and it's a great stadium for watching the game. Mm-hmm. Secondly, and this is not a paid endorsement, there are spots where if you are the brother-in-law who doesn't like baseball, and you're like, uh, i got to spend three hours. Hours in this yeah, it's place. It's a good place to go and kill a half hour. No to an problem hour. at all. Go yeah. find a bar where you can't. They got see some the fried field. ravioli over yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> you've got all <laughs> of the food plugs on Twitter.com. I saw. I uh, some boy. deconstructed chicken pot pie that you that threw away. I couldn't, man. dude. I couldn't at that Ooh, point. Boy, have you tried? You haven't tried the new ones, Manny? Right? You because you weren't out there. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't out there. I'm, I'm just thinking fried ravioli from like the state fair. And yep, I assume same. It's, it's the same thing. Did you see? Uh, was there any on his? videos because what stood out to me I, and yes i watched all of rami's videos Thank yesterday you. i haven't seen them yet what you stood d- out to me i suffered for that dude i suffered I, well, they're still there i'll go watch them <laughs> still thank you we I got time it. rami the, the positive thing is that rarely is he actually eating the food so if you're not a person that likes to like watch <laughs> other people eat you don't have to do that he's just have eaten the food and then is reviewing it in video form, but what struck me, and I don't know whether ten or twelve videos or whatever posted well, there were back fifteen back. items in all that I sampled. <sighs> How hard was it for you to not just like smash everything? No, I finished the only things that I didn't finish the total portion that they gave us was the uh the deconstructed chicken, chicken pot, pot pie. pie, which was yeah. like the last thing the I last tried. Thing. So that was There's end of no the line. <laughs> And uh, I'm done. And the chicken and chicken strips and bacon and a waffle cone. Oh, because man. while everybody else well, and it was delicious, so that's not why I didn't finish. The bacon was like half an inch thick. But while all the other vendors were giving you like sample portions of these things, they gave you a full right. serving of chicken strips and bacon in a waffle cone. And I was like, I can't do a full serving, man. Yeah. It's just. I'm Yuck. only human. What I stood mean, out to me after watching all of them was like, my stomach hurts going through this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't eat any of it. And I'm like, Rami, man, I feel for you. That was a lot. That was a workout. Literally, all I've eaten today is a, a teaspoon of peanut butter, <laughs> half a bowl of oatmeal with peaches and bananas, and the only thing I brought with me for like lunch or to snack on is a bag of almonds. Like okay. that, that's it. That's, that's all. Breakfast that's, of champions. That's right all there. I have Jeez. with me for now. Between between now and at least dinner time, all I'll be doing is like an almond or two at a time. After that, well, I hope you have the mental energy to get fully caught up to speed on the Minnesota Twins. I so am ready. Set this up for us. What are we doing here? Starting basically from like mid October to maybe end of October we're, for the Twins last year. We're going zero to caught up on your 2019. Minnesota Twins because the Major League Baseball offseason is long. There might have been some things that, you know, you were on vacation, so you weren't doing your normal reading up on your Twins or maybe not listening to Score North for a week, which we'll forgive you if you were on vacation. <laughs> it or wasn't maybe, even Score North back then, so you're may, fine. Maybe 
It was just a move that you forgot about. So we wanted to go move by move over the 2018-2019 offseason and get you from zero to caught up on the Minnesota Twins just over 24 hours away from opening day. Well, and let's be honest. This is for the the brother-in-law, too, who doesn't like baseball, but is going to go. Right. Opening day tickets. What do I have to know about the Twins? He wants to know who's that guy batting seventh. Here you go, Paul. (laughs) This is for you. Uh, it's starting to sound oddly personal, Derek. <laughs> it's getting very specific. No, no, there's no Paul in my life here. Um, but it's, you know, it starts with the transactional stuff at the end of last season. I think the biggest one that you'd have to be living under a rock to have not heard this one is Joe Maurer retired from professional baseball. Uh, soon thereafter, the Twins announced they're going to be retiring the number seven. That's going to hang up. Nobody will wear it again in a Twins uniform. Uh, there'll probably be more to come in terms of honoring number seven. But for now... It's going to look weird on opening day with no Maurer standing in the handshake line. I think that was the biggest, the first big, big move of the offseason. Let me ask you this about Joe Maurer as the guy who came here after he retired and was from a distance watching him. And I thought he was a really good ball player. Obviously, the production dropped off in the last few years as age and injuries started to catch up to him. But first of all, on the field, does it help or hurt the Minnesota Twins just from a production and purely baseball standpoint, that they got that paycheck and that relative lack of production off the off the off the books and out of the lineup. Baseball, I think it hurts. Okay, but when you include the contract, it's hard to say it hurts. Right, <laughs> it, it, this helps the Twins in a big way, clearing twenty three million dollars to be able to spend it elsewhere. Uh, whether that's this year or into the future, that flexibility is going to be important for them. I think they are going to take a big swing. They didn't take a big swing at Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, which is maybe another thing, zero to caught up. Mm -hmm. Twins had some money to spend and didn't go after the two biggest (laughs) 26-year-old free agents that we talked about every week. But from a simply like production and help your team, Joe Maurer was still doing that in his final season in the big league. So it it will hurt them. I do think that they can replace it from a baseball sense anyways. And it shouldn't be impossible to do that for less money. Clubhouse chemistry wise, how does it affect this team? I think it's big, but I, I'm careful to overstate those kinds of things. We all tend to get sentimental about this. Feelings play into it. I know from watching the Twins over the last 15 years, 20 years, obviously there's a huge number seven sized hole in the product. But how many of those guys were his teammates for five years? A, a couple of them. And they're going to miss Joe, the person. Uh, people from around the Twins certainly are going to miss Joe Maurer. That Maybe people you don't hear from all the time or don't see, but they are part of the Twins fabric. He will be missed. Um, But, like, is Miguel Sano going to perform worse this year because he's not teammates with Joe Maurer sitting in the corner clubhouse? No, that's probably overstating things. So it's not nothing, but it's not going to be the end of the world for the Twins. This won't sink their chances in 2019. Okay. What's the next move as we get you zero to caught up on well, the Minnesota Twins? Let's do some rapid fire, and you just stop let's me if it. we ever need to stop. Manny, feel free to jump in and stop Derek as well. Yeah, like if there's one you guys want to dig in on and talk about, we sure can. But like, I don't really see any of these as a huge deal, but a bunch of guys elected free agency. So they're saying goodbye, basically, to Matt Belial, Logan Forsythe, Chris Jimenez, Irv Santana, who... Missed a good chunk of 2018, but was a great pitcher for them. Turned mm-hmm. out to be a great signing. And then uh forgettable signing, Logan Morrison. They also said goodbye to him. That uh, that kind of set up the offseason for the Twins. There are some minor 
waiver wire stuff that's not going to make or break 2019. Yeah, I, I didn't some... feel a need to stop him on any of those. Did you? Yeah, did you, Manny? No. no? Okay. I mean, like, Irv, <laughs> Irv, if we hadn't already gotten used to saying goodbye, right? Like, right. 2017, yeah. that'd be different. But after 2018, it's like, yeah, he was on the team all last year and you forgot. Right. So it wasn't... That's not going to be a big difference in the 2019 pitching staff, um, but it will hurt. I mean, I mean, Irv was a good guy around me anyway, a good pitcher for the Twins for three years, so that does kind of hurt. Um, we should mention they hired a new manager. Oh, really? <laughs> Rocco Baldelli oh, is in okay. his first year. Good as thing the we're skipper. doing this getting caught up thing because I did not know that. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> Showing up to Kieran's tomorrow and asking questions about Paul Molitor. He is gone. Well, Stephen A. Smith did ask how the Mike Trout signing would affect Mike Sosha. So, oh, oh, I missed that. Oh, I missed that. Well, yeah, he has Jeff Passon of all people. He's probably happy oh, for wow. him. I mean, if nothing else, they were coworkers for a long time. Um, but I think that it's gonna be a noticeable thing throughout the year that Rocco Baldelli's our new skipper, uh, and Paul Molitor is still in the organization. Not quite clear what his role is gonna be. If I'm him, I'm gonna take my firing and say like, uh, I'll take the paycheck. You want me to do extra what for you? Work for you right now? Uh, no, no I'm good. I'm fine right. for right now. Yeah. Maybe eventually that heals and you're like, okay, yeah, let's do something together that's mutually beneficial. But I don't think you're going to see a whole ton of Paul Molitor this year. But I, I did think it was weird. We talked about it. I heard you guys. Yeah. Judd with Rami that not six months after being fired, he's he's there at, at Twins Camp and and as cheery as can be and visiting with Rocco yeah. Baldelli and Falvey and I Levine mean, and... Talking about how great a time it was and nothing personal. It is kind of crazy, but one thing I can note from being around Molitor for a couple of years, just in you know the reporter manager capacity, mm-hmm. whatever to the extent that relationship, it is shocking to me that for a guy who is tenth on the all-time hit list, tenth, mm-hmm. there are nine human beings who have more hits in Major League Baseball than Paul Molitor. How? devoid of ego he is in a lot of settings like that that's what i said when we were talking about it i was like he has got to be the most balanced well-adjusted person yeah well on on that level like to have that who's had that level of success yeah you know what i mean like Like you don't walk in and i I mean i walk in and i'm like oh there's hall of famer paul molitor right but it's not from anything he does like he doesn't command that Mm -hmm. sort of respect he doesn't like demand it i should Mm -hmm. say you're not pounding the table and being like do you know who i am right never once in four or five years did i see him act in any way that would lead you to believe like this is one of the goats his former teammate his former teammate robin yount very much the same way oh sure yeah like he just he he seems like the dude who just rode up to the corner bar on his motorcycle and (laughs) sat down next to you at the bar for a beer like you would never know that he's robin yount yeah you know what i mean so it will be weird with no molitor but not as weird as with no mauer because mauer stretches back to 2001 right right and molitor for a number of years had those behind the scenes jobs you just didn't hear from him as much and i do think a lot of people remember him as a brewer and or maybe a Blue Jay. Mm-hmm. But certainly the Twins are a part of his fabric and he's a part of theirs. Uh, Rocco Baldelli will bring a different sort of flavor, but I don't know that you're going to notice that on opening day. I yeah. think he and his coaching staff that he's assembled, you will definitely notice it over the course of the season. We'll talk about it a lot on this show and others, but I'm not sure it's going to be a big like, hey, opening day, March 28th. Whoa, crazy new manager. Did you see that? Right. It's, it's going to take some time to play out. Like Gabe Kapler last year. I forgot what he did, but he did something on opening day that was just way outside the box and they ended up losing the game. 
and Phillies fans lost their yeah, mind. Yeah, didn't he play a matchup? Like, they had their... I'm, I'm going to mess up the name so I won't even venture to guess, but like he had an outfielder and they played a platoon, so they played like the backup guy on oh, opening yeah. day. Yeah, Because he's like, well, it's just the matchup. Right. And people are like, yeah, but it's opening day. And he's like, yeah, but <laughs> I'm just trying to win. And then he had some weird thing too where like he something screwed up something with the bullpen. And this was all That's in the what it was. a couple of weeks. That's what it was, he like yeah. wasn't ready or something yeah. weird happened that like never would even happen in a video game. Hopefully and it happened in Major League Baseball. Hopefully we don't have anything like that with Rocco Baldelli. I, I don't think, think this guy's extremely well prepared, and I think he's got some top lieutenants that would never allow that sort of thing to and happen. we obviously don't know what kind of manager or whether or not he'll be a successful manager, but just reading and hearing what I've read and heard about Rocco Baldelli as, since I got here and started diving into Twins baseball, really like what I'm hearing about this guy. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that other than I spent three and a half weeks in Fort Myers talking with him on a basically on a daily basis and... I have no idea if he's going to be a good big league manager. And he wasn't even always like the world's most forthcoming person with the media. He would dance around answers sometimes, but I, that doesn't offend me at all. He owes us nothing. Right. And it was, it was really this part that stuck out to me was not only like he has baseball insight in spades. Obviously you don't get a job like that without it. But what really, really stood out to me, Rami was that he connects, right? I kept hearing that anybody I'd ask, what do you think about the new guy, new manager, new boss, new coworker, even people who weren't working with or for him. What do you, what do you think about this so far? You know, you're two weeks into interacting with this guy. It's like, yeah, he just makes connections with people and he makes you feel comfortable. And I feel like in in modern day baseball with the the rise of analytics, yeah. not to say that managers in terms of their on-field decisions have been devalued in any way, but a lot of those decisions now are are determined by math in some sense. You know yeah. what I mean? No, that's so right. I think I think more so today than ever in Major League Baseball, the 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 manager's job is to do the things that you're talking about to make those interpersonal connections and to have guys in the right state of mind to to succeed at the highest level right. still has to make in-game decisions yeah. and do all the things that a manager did before but like i said some of that now is kind of push button and determined by a book of numbers or or a tablet that sure. you're sitting there looking at in the dugout it is kind of funny you'll see people and i used to be one of them who scoff at the phrase clubhouse culture mm-hmm. and you can tell what kind of person they are by whether or not they scoff at that notion you can read a little bit into a person's character right. traits if they're like ha <laughs> that doesn't matter at all that matters zero percent i'm like are you sure are you sure because i think that's a big deal in a six-month grind of a baseball season and by the way i always say six-month grind but these guys have been sort of grinding not crazy, crazy in spring training because you let off the gas a little bit, but that's still six more weeks of uh, baseball workouts and games and being around your teammates and sitting right next to somebody in the heat of the battle and then going right in and your clubhouse stalls right next to that dude. Right. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's infighting in families and it's all good. I mean, there's a lot of that in a baseball clubhouse too. For and, sure. And if you allow that stuff to escalate, it definitely negatively affects performance. So anyway. We spend a lot of time on the manager because I think it's very it's important. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say that, like, not going to be hugely important on opening day, but watch it play out over the course of a summer. And we've just scratched the surface as we get you zero to caught up on the 2019 Minnesota Twins. Just 
getting you all caught up on whatever moves that you maybe have missed or forgot about, or maybe you just tune in for Twins Baseball when we get to time for Twins Baseball, which is less than 24 hours away, and we're getting you ready for opening day here on Touch Em All. And speaking of opening day, Score North will be broadcasting live from Kieran's Irish Pub tomorrow noon until 6 for the Twins season opener. So if you don't have tickets for the game, we'll be right in the neighborhood. Stop by and watch it with your friends from Score North. Touch Em All will continue getting you all caught up on the 2019 Minnesota Twins when we return right after this on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. It's hard to do the floss wearing snow pants, but that's how we feel about Minnesota sports. It makes us want to do that. We know you get it. Scorenorth.com. Touch them all on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Twins insider Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill on the other side of the glass getting you ready for opening day tomorrow. You can come and watch opening day with us at Kieran's Irish Pub from noon until 6 if you don't have tickets. And you can search for this show and all our Twins programming simply by searching Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. We also have the app which is now available for uh, Apple and Android and uh, if you listen there you can win some cool cool things and we just made an addition to our twins lineup of programming the glenn perkins show once a week every thursday uh the former twins reliever will sit down with phil Mackey for an hour and just talk twins baseball and in depth i, I heard uh some of the first edition yeah, awesome. of the glenn perkins show and it was awesome he he's and this is a hard thing to do for 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 prof- former professional athletes to talk about the sport in a way that is not only engaging, entertaining, and interesting for the listener, but in a way that is understandable for the listener. You know what I mean? He doesn't. Yeah. He he's an expert at the sport, but he talks about it in a way that the layman and the average fan can understand. I would say if you're a Twins fan, or if you like Touch Them All, if you like any of our Twins programming, and you have not heard that episode of the Glenn Perkins Show, which you're going to find in the same feed that you're finding this show. If you're listening live on the radio, just go search Score North Twins and you'll find it. I would say I typically wouldn't give it this kind of endorsement, but listen to that one episode. Mm-hmm. You don't need any more. Like if you're out after that episode, uh, then we're sorry, but you're just out. I think if you like <laughs> baseball and you right. like the Twins, you don't like baseball if you listen to that first yeah, episode. Yeah, you're going to hear out. you're going to hear that one Twins baseball fans and you're going to be in on that show. I'm super excited so to have it. So check out the up. Glenn Perkins show at scorenorth.com or search Score North Twins wherever you download podcast. Here on Touch 'em All today, we're doing zero to caught up on your 2019 Minnesota Twins just going through move by move real quick of everything that transpired yeah. this offseason in case you missed it or forgot it and we're getting you primed for opening day tomorrow at Target Field. We left off with the manager switch. Paul Molitor out. Rocco Baldelli in. What's next as we get folks caught up? Yep. We talked a lot about two big moves. Joe Maurer and Paul Molitor moving on. Bring in uh, Rocco Baldelli as the new manager. After that, it's some low-key stuff and then free agent additions. Low-key, I would say, they made their 40-man decisions. You have to do that every year. Mm-hmm. There was a Rule 5 draft. Nobody was caught off guard by that. But it's also not big red-letter headline day. So let's move past those types of moves and say that the Twins claimed C.J. Crone off waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays. And just a couple days later, Robbie Grossman became a free agent. Those two moves aren't necessarily related, but to me it's interesting that the Twins... Whether consciously or not, this offseason lost a bunch of on-base threat and added a bunch of power threats 
up and down through the lineup. This should be a team that hits a lot of home runs. C.J. Crone replacing Joe Maurer at first base would be a big reason why that number should be higher this year. I feel like in in some ways they're emulating what the what the A's did last offseason, which was just okay. to go out and get a, a bunch of guys who can put up 25 to 30 home runs, put heavy emphasis on launch angle and exit velocity, and, and not even attempt... To give the appearance of playing small ball, they're going to put a bunch of mashers. They're going to play big ball up and down that lineup. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing, and I, I think that in in today's game, that that has the potential to work. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm sold on it, but I do think this could be a really good offense for the Twins. Mm-hmm. We'll get to a couple other guys that they're adding to that group. Brian Dozier, of course, they traded last summer. He was a big home run threat, and then last year just didn't go his way. Um, the Twins traded him, and now the guy who's sort of replacing him, technically I guess he's replacing Logan Forsyth, but Jonathan Scope was brought in from your Milwaukee Brewers, Rami, to take over at second base for the Twins, and they're counting on a big bounce back from him. There's a guy with some pop in his bat, too, and I think Twins fans... I think Twins fans who maybe tuned out for the winter and are just getting back into it, Scope might be one of the more surprising guys that impacts you this summer. Yeah, I really like the pickup of Jonathan Scope, and not to say that it will work, but when you look at the circumstances that Jonathan Scope faced last year, after an all-star season where he he garnered MVP votes, last year he gets injured early in the season, and just as he's sort of starting to come back from that injury and yeah. get healthy, He's traded from the American League to the National League, where he's never played before. He's traded into the middle of a division race, an pennant race, which is a pressure I'm sure he's never really dealt with before. And then on top of that, a week after he gets traded to that contending team, they go out and trade for a player who essentially costs him his everyday spot yep. at second base. They were shuffling him in between second and short. They were using him off the bench. And I think it's just hard for a guy who is coming off an injury and is scuffling offensively to try and and find that magic again with all that pressure on your shoulders and not playing every day and dealing with the ego hit, sure, which anybody would, of losing your everyday job almost as quick as you got there. I really like Jonathan Scope. Uh, the story and the bet that the Twins are making, I wrote about it for the website. Mm-hmm. Um, you can search Score North and the optimist Jonathan Scope. <laughs> Thad Levine told me on this very show that the Twins and their sort of research and development department, they took a hard look at how he performed last year, not only statistically, but taking a look at the actual swings, the videos, and said, all right, movement specialists or whatever their title mm-hmm. is, that'd be a cool business card mm-hmm. if that's what it was, figure out, this guy, this guy hurt his oblique in April, and we want to know, should we be ignoring that? Should we just say, like, ah, yeah, this oblique, yeah, eventually six weeks he was healthy, and then we just look at the stats, take those into account as we decide whether or not to pursue this guy? Or is this the kind of thing that this injury, this muscle injury, affected him the entire summer materially enough that we think we can just throw out those stats more or less – I don't think the Twins completely threw him out in their analysis, but what that team came back and said, they said, yeah, hey, Thad, uh, answered your question. We think that really affected him all summer long, and this is actually going to be more like the guy in 16 and 17 
rather than the guy that you saw in 18. And with that sort of confidence that the Twins went out and pursued him, they got him done before the winter meetings. Basically said, yeah, we want this guy. We want this one They obviously saw something that they were really intrigued and excited by. Yeah, and I think they just kind of decided they could ignore 18. And so it's an interesting bet, and it's a small-ish bet. But if you're saying... You're going to get a guy for seven and a half million bucks who two years ago got some MVP votes and was an all-star for the first time and was a former top prospect. It's a pretty interesting bet to make, and the Twins were happy to take it. And what I'm saying is take any player and put them through that those circumstances yeah. no, that right. I just laid out, and they wouldn't have a season that they're very happy with. Almost right. any player, and I don't... And you can go as I would even go so far as to say put Mike Trout in that situation of suffering an oblique injury, trying to come back from it, getting traded, losing his job, all in the middle of a pennant race. Like that's going to have an effect on on your production. I want the team front office and coaching staff who benched Mike Trout, and I want their heads. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just messing with you. It's it's interesting. I I like. Scope, uh, the story, and I do believe in the bounce-back possibility. That was a big ad for the Twins this winter along with C.J. Crone. Then they went through the winter meetings, and they got Nelson Cruz, far and away their biggest addition of the winter. Um, what more can you say? All-star pedigree, one of the most feared hitters in the big leagues. He's been doing it for a long time. Got power, got on base. He is inspired the boomstick. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the two foot, two foot hot dog, stick of beef served at ballparks. Cheese whiz, grilled onions, and jalapenos. Yeah. So he's done it all. He's, is what I'm saying. I mean, he's already brought something very, very good to Target <laughs> Field. Something really good. And just to say nothing of uh, the veteranness, the leadership that the Twins are sort of expecting from Cruz. That's certainly not why they signed him. They got him because they think he's going to mash in the middle of their order, and I expect they're right. He is 38 years old, so kind of an interesting bet, but that the Twins went out and outbid teams like, I think the Astros and the Rays were in the mix for that. Um, Nelson Cruz is going to be the most notable addition from this winter to the Twins, and that was uh, just after New Year's, I think technically they got that done, but I, I think it was really done around the time of Christmas. It was a nice little gift for the front office. With a guy like Nelson Cruz, who I, I agree with everything that you just said right there, and I, I I do expect him to be productive this year because he's not shown any signs of drop-off, but I always feel like with a guy his age who's putting up the numbers that he's been putting up, like you're walking towards the edge of a cliff blindfolded. Yeah, oh yeah. Like that that drop-off is somewhere. Like that's just science. You right. know what I mean? That's right. That drop-off is somewhere for a guy like Nelson Cruz, and you don't know if it's this season, you don't know if it's next season, or two years from now. Right. But you know it's somewhere, and that's the risk of signing him to that deal is, sure. okay, is this the year? Is this yeah. the year that you finally take that step? That's right. And there's nothing there. If it is, and then there's this <laughs> precipitous and frightening drop. Right. It's a one-year deal. Right, and, and Exactly. And if he mashes, you've got the option to bring him back for another one, and you'd be happy to have that outcome. I think he's going to make a big difference in the middle of their order, and you could be close to that cliff, but recent history shows uh, he's performed well even into his mid and now late 30s. It is kind of funny how much of an allergy you saw this winter that front offices had towards 31-year-old baseball players. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, we'll sign the guys who are going to be 30 by the time this deal's up, but... Any more than that, I don't want to have any guaranteed money on the books. Give him a minor league deal and invite him to camp. The thing I like about the Nelson Cruz signing and and the Jonathan Scope signing, and I hate to do this the day before opening day to talk about like not best case scenario, like sure, optimism sure. springs eternal at sure, this time of year. Of but let's say Nelson Cruz and Jonathan Scope are are performing this year, but nothing else is really working. 
you have two guys right there who are trading chips that teams will be very interested in, and you can get some some very That's good right. assets in return to move forward and move on from yeah. if this is a disappointing season. I, I never like trading guys in the first year of a deal like that, but sometimes it's unavoidable, and if both sides are fine with it, then there's no, no harm, no foul. We should add some of the other guys that did join the fold over the winter. Blake Parker in January, they signed to solidify their bullpen. Mm-hmm. He might close some games. He might pitch in the seventh inning some games. He's going to mix around and, and be in that late inning mix for the Twins. So that was a, I mean, this is a fairly big addition for them, even though the Angels had decided, no thanks, we don't need you anymore. I think the Twins are counting on some good things for him this year to help shore up the bullpen. And then a move that we all kind of scoffed at at the time that it happened, Rami, when they signed Martin Perez, Phil and I did a show and we kind of thought, okay. Why? I remember that, yeah. And spring training, if that's any indicator, uh, Twins were right, we were wrong. He's hitting 95, 96, 97 on the gun. It's incredible. He made the team out of camp, of course. He's he's probably going to start in the bullpen because they don't need a fifth starter till mid-April. But once they need that spot, it's kind of his. It's got his name written on it. They're just keeping it warm for him. Uh, I did not expect that to be an impact signing for the Twins. And, and based on what I've heard now, they are expecting something very different. You were talking about the the biomechanics department that's that's grown exponentially with with uh, Levine and, and Falvey and, and this new regime uh, 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 for the Twins. And that's a guy who they really feel like they unlocked something with him, with their biomechanics department in terms of his delivery and 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 getting the most out of his body just, and just going back to the motion that got him to the major leagues. I was reading an article about that a few weeks ago that he sort of got away from some of the things that made him successful enough to become a big leaguer. And then he got to the big leagues and sort of started to forget some of that. And they've sort of, they've tapped into it and are trying to unlock what was a very promising career. I mean, sure. this is a guy who came in with some high expectations sure. yeah, when absolutely. he came into major league baseball. I mean, one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball for whatever that's worth for a couple of years there actually right. in the Rangers system. And, I, look, I don't know, because it's just spring training. So I'm curious to see if that stretches out into the season. At the same time, you don't accidentally hit 96 on a radar gun when you were hitting 92, 93 last year. Right. So I'm fascinated to see if this change is going to carry out through into the season. If so, I would think that new pitching coach Wes Johnson gets some credit for that. I would think that his assistants get some a credit for that, Jerry, Jeremy Hefner, or people in their strength and conditioning department, or their video scouts that are helping put all this stuff together. Uh, Project Martin Perez Redemption is not a one-man operation, and to say the least of which, uh, no, uh, Martin, per- Martin Perez himself, excuse me, uh, should get a lot of credit for that if it turns into the season the Twins are kind of counting on at this point. And I think when you're a team trying to do what the Twins are trying to do, which is usurp the the dominant team in the division, you you got to be able to find some diamonds in the rough and improve yes. from within just through coaching and bounce back years from guys like Jonathan Scope, like we talked about, or Byron Buxton or Miguel Sano. You you need to you need to improve from within, partly from coaching and partly from analytics and, and biomechanics and everything that's part of being a successful major league ball club in yes. 2019. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Uh, another thing you need to do is be aggressive when it's time to do it. Right. The Twins, as sort of a wrap-up of the offseason, Miguel Sano shows up to camp, hurt, cut his foot, cut his heel, whatever you want to say. He's going to miss at least a month of the season. I'd be shocked, Rami, if he's back on a uh, on-target fields 
playing surface before May 1st. But he lost the walking boot, did he not? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. he's fine, and right. he's healing fine. Mm-hmm. The Twins aren't concerned about that new timetable. But I'm saying he reports to spring training, and you're knowing you're not going to count on him for like a sixth of the season, mm-hmm. but maybe best-case scenario. So the Twins go out, and they sign super utility man Marwin Gonzalez. I know the the Twins sort of don't like the term utility man. That's great. I'm he's going to be using the, it. Me too. Yeah. Super utility makes... I'll, he's a super sub. They can't stop me. I'm yeah. going to keep using it. <laughs> That's right. What are they going to do? Take my microphone? <laughs> he's going to start the season, Rami, at third base. He's their everyday guy, more than likely, basically taking the spot for Miguel Sano. But if and when Sano comes back, if he's got the full range of motion and he's ready to step in as their third baseman, Marwin Gonzalez is going to be their everyday guy who at plays a different position. Every position. Third base, first base, shortstop. Second base, left field, right field, maybe some DH if it fits. I mean, Rocco Baldelli stopped short of saying this guy's going to play 162 games. I would not be shocked at all if he plays 150 and it's split between six or seven different spots. I don't want to say like I'm a baseball genius or I was ahead of the curve or anything like that. (laughs) You don't. Okay, I'll say it for you. I was doing this in video games like 15 years ago. I'd have a super utility guy who had started a different position every day. It's fantastic. I mean, he's a good hitter, too. It's not like he's just some slick fielding wizard with the gloves. No. He can play. Yeah. He was a big part of the Astros World Series team in 2017, played a lot of left field for him, but then fast forward to 2018, he fills in for an injured Carlos Correa at shortstop, later filling in for an injured Jose Altuve at second base. I'm not going to say those that team didn't like miss a beat with Marwan Gonzalez because, I mean, that, those two superstars mm-hmm. that you're filling in for, but he helped them bridge the gap much better than you would have just expect to go pull up your you know random middle infielder from AAA. Marwan Gonzalez is a good hitter and happens to play all of these different positions. He's going to be a big weapon for the Twins this year. I used year. to do that with Sean Dunstan That's a when good I would one. play video games. That's a callback. Throw him in second, short, third, throw him in the outfield. You could put you could put him anywhere. And did you do it because he was just better a better hitter than some of their other I would do it because guys? I wanted to have that depth oh, yeah. and, and yeah. use that guy. And also because guy. over the course of uh, 162 games, you want to keep guys fresh. So give them, a, give them a day off every week. And it even is. in video games, I was thinking about keeping my players fresh. Did you ever do that in like fantasy baseball? Be no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They're in the start the best uh, guy Fantasy football, day. like I just want to give my guy the week off. He's earned it. He's had a great 10 weeks. He got me to the semifinals here. No, that guy's playing yeah. every week. I need his contribution. But that that is one you can watch Marwin Gonzalez and he will have a big impact. I don't think it'll be quite Nelson Cruz level impact, but it'll be in different ways. Marwin Gonzalez is going to impact this team and what's fascinating about it is they got him after spring training started. They went in and said, "We're good with this team. Let's go." And then whether it was because of the Sano injury or just coincidental, they said, "You know what? How about a 2-year deal for this guy who's going to make our club better?" Um I'm going to be really curious to see how it plays out for them. He's one younger than Cruz, affects the game in different ways. But currently right now, as I look at it, Rami, mm-hmm. Nelson Cruz the biggest addition this team made. He might be their best hitter, even as a 38-year-old. I agree. I, agree. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Unless, I think, Buxton or Sano could be that. It'd be great for them if he wasn't their best They'd have to take hitter. that next step. Right. right. Or, or even like Eddie Rosario could be maybe Max Kepler if he surges the way they're sort of expecting him to. I'm just looking at it on paper and saying, who's the guy with their best chance to hit 40 home runs? 
it's that guy, and he's not going to sacrifice on base to do it. Agreed. Uh, are we caught up on the Twins now in the 2019 offseason? Officially zero right. to caught up. There are some spring training moves, but they're mostly minor. If you heard these segments, you are ready to go for Twins baseball this year. I might need you to get me caught up on the Indians because I feel yes. like I missed something based on how everybody is talking <laughs> about the 2019 oh, Cleveland see. Indians. So I need I, I need to get caught up on the Indians or maybe people need to just calm down about the Indians when Touch Mall returns right after this on Score North <laughs> on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. Okay. What a night. What a season. Well, the magic number is one now for the Minnesota Twins. Extra vigorous handshakes in the Twins dugout. 5-1 the score. In Oakland, if the A's beat the White Sox, your Minnesota Twins are American League Central champions. And that indeed did happen. That was the last time the Twins won the division, right, Manny? On uh, Fox Sports North. I was going to say, just the other day, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like yesterday. Like just yesterday, first year of Target The last Fields. time wow. until the next time in 2019 wow. when the Twins do it. Yeah, I said it. There you go. There's I a segue. I said it. Because I just don't see what everybody sees in this Cleveland Indians team. Put the Twins aside for a second. Sure. Let's just pretend we're in Cleveland and we're talking about the Cleveland Indians for a living. I pull up, and I'm not one to put a lot of stock into power rankings or spend a lot of my time or energy on debating power <laughs> rankings. It's all subjective, and, and that's what it's put out for. It's very zen of you, Rami. Uh, right. Uh, but, <laughs> but, ESPN put out their MLB power rankings today. Okay. And seventh... Seventh in all of Major League Baseball. The Indians? And ESPN's power rankings behind the likes of the defending World Series champion Boston Red Sox. Okay. The two years ago World Series champion Houston Astros. Yeah. The New York Yankees, who's just a juggernaut of a baseball team. Okay. The Los Angeles Dodgers, who have dominated the NL West for, I think, five years now and have made two straight World Series and three or four straight NLCS appearances. Good team, yeah. The Milwaukee Brewers, who won the division last year mm-hmm. and were one game away from making the World Series. The Chicago Cubs, who won the World Series in 2016 and won 95 games last year. Mm-hmm. And then there are the Cleveland Indians. Behind those powerhouses, seven. Yeah, no, you're right. ESPN's MLB power rankings is the Cleveland Indians, and they have them winning 92 games. Yeah, no, you're right. It does seem a little light. They're not being nice enough to the Cleveland Indians. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? How do you put the Cubs ahead of those guys? How do you put the Brewers ahead of those guys? This is going to be a juggernaut, Rob. I would put, in addition to those teams, the Braves, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Cardinals, maybe the Rockies, possibly the Rays. Wow. We're um, yeah, I'm going deep. The A's, I would put the A's ahead of them. Okay. And I would put your Minnesota Twins ahead of the Cleveland Indians because I'm looking at a team that last year, let me pull up the standings real quick, won 91 games yeah. in a putrid division. Yeah, I hope that's true. Got worse roster-wise in the offseason and watched the division improve around them mostly the Minnesota Twins, and you got to think the White Sox will be a little bit better just from development and yeah, progression sure. of a young roster and some guys making their way from the minors to the majors this year. So they're playing in a tougher division with a worse team than they had last year, and yet everybody has them pegged for at least 90 wins and running away with the AL Central. I don't see it. 
I just don't see it with the Cleveland Indians because outside of their starting pitching and the left side of their infield, they got a whole bunch of question marks, which the Twins do too. But with the Twins, you have question marks and you go, but if this works, that could be really right, good. Right. With They're, the Indians, you have question marks with no real great answers right. at like five or six positions and throughout their bullpen. That's that's true enough. But one thing we can't gloss over here as we let's just try to answer this question in this segment before we get out of here for this show. Like what would need to happen for the Twins to overtake the tribe in the Central? Okay, we can talk about that. Certainly, we can talk more about that tomorrow, too, at Kieran's Irish Pub when we are there noon to 6 tomorrow to uh, basically get everybody ready for opening day. And then if you don't have tickets, hang out with us at Kieran's. That's fine. With uh, Matthew Collar, myself, Mackie, Judd. If you do have tickets, come by at noon to see me, Rami, I think Phil and Judd are on that show. Touch them all, noon to 2 tomorrow. We're talking twins for two straight hours to get you ready. Kieran's Irish Pub. So, with that... Elegant promo mm-hmm. out of the way. I think that it would take a sort of a gargantuan effort for the Twins to overtake the Indians. And I want to so uh, just focus on one thing that you said there that you sort of glossed past. Mm-hmm. You would have made a great attorney in another life because <laughs> there, told there, there were important facts. I didn't facts want to go to there. school for that long. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there were important facts that you said as if they were a comma splice aside uh-huh. in the middle of a sentence uh-huh. that you cannot overlook. Aside from the left side of their infield mm-hmm. and their starting pitching, there are question marks everywhere for Cleveland. Okay, first, let's just say quickly that they have Brad Hand, who's a great reliever, and their bullpen otherwise probably got worse, I, I would say, just looking on paper. The left side of their infield features not one but two MVP candidates. Absolutely. I know they start the year hurt. Francisco Lindor, it looks like, according to reports on Twitter, maybe just his ankle again yesterday, and there was, an, there was already an injury concern there. He wasn't going to start the year. Now he's, I mean, he's for sure missing the Twin Series. We'll see how long he's out after that. Jose Ramirez, uh, allegedly day-to-day, but I think I'd be surprised to see him for sure on opening day, maybe even at all in that twin series. After that, those guys are back, and you'll take five and a half months of two of the best players in baseball. Absolutely. Great place to start. And then their one through five in their starting rotation is the envy of all of baseball. I think every team would trade. If you're talking for 2019 only, and you have to make a wholesale trade, like a hockey line change of starting pitchers, I think every team would trade with the Cleveland Indians one through five. And that, Probably. coupled with a couple MVP candidates on the left side, is a great place maybe, to start. Maybe the Mets wouldn't do that when 100% okay, healthy, but sure. they're never 100% healthy. Yeah, it's the Mets, right. let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. If the Mets could get out of their own way, exactly. they would do it. Yeah. They would choose to. I just think Corey Kluber's an ace. Trevor Bauer's an ace. If he doesn't get hurt last year, might win the Cy Young. I'm picking him to win the Cy Young this year. We could do our picks at uh, Kieran's Irish Pub tomorrow, too, if you want. I do want. Carlos Carrasco is a stud. Mike Clevenger has become a stud. I expect to see him back that up again this year. And Shane Bieber would be like the first or second guy in a lot of other rotations. Mm -hmm. He's going to be their fifth starter. I don't know if they're going to open with him in the bullpen or what they're going to do there. That one through five is the envy of all of the rest of baseball. But in the modern day of mashing and bullpenning. Sure. I think the Twins do both of those things yeah, better, do but, they not? But a six-month grind, I think, it's still going to favor the starting pitching. You could talk just, about October. I but, just think that, okay, you can stop people from scoring runs for the first five or six innings. If you can't put up runs, and then you sure. can't count on the guys who are who are coming in to relieve those starters to stop the other team from scoring runs, I don't see how that's a formula for winning 
90 games or 92 games as ESPN predicted sure. in their power rankings. Yeah, when yeah. again, you won 91 last year, the division got better and you got worse. I'm d- and that's just the overall broad, simple math sure. of the Indians and these expectations that you that people have for them. You won 91 <laughs> games last year in a putrid division. Yep. The division got better and you got worse on paper. Right. Let me say this, because you started this segment off by saying if we we're doing sports talk in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to focus on the team in our local region, local area, and say like, oh, if this goes right, if Jonathan Scope has that bounce back year that we're kind of expecting, that's a good thing. If Nelson Cruz bucks that aging curve, if Jose Barrios takes the next step. and Once we start looking through Twins colored glasses and viewing all the optimistic outcomes for the Twin season, you're right. I could absolutely see the Twins overtaking the Indians in this division, and it would be this year. But what if you did the same thing with tribe-colored glasses? Or if you're just like a Cleveland sports guy. Where you're like, maybe Kevin Plawecki will... Like, what do you, you know what I mean? What, what is going to happen? Jake, Jake Bowers is going to be an all-star? Sure, but maybe you're like, okay, Jason Lindor. Jason Kipnis is going to stop aging? What What is going to happen that that is going to make things go right for the Indians? Maybe you're like, okay, Lindor finally wins his rightful MVP in the American League. And all five starting pitchers are duking it out for the Cy Young on September 1st. And the only differentiator is going to be who has a stronger September on the way to the postseason. If you got, outfield is still Greg Allen and the Onus Martin and Tyler Naquin. Hey, they got Carlos Gonzalez on a minor league deal. That should help. They'll probably plug I him just, in there. I, I just don't see. And I feel I hear th- you. this is one of those things where you're like, like. You're looking around and you're go and and you're included in this group. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're going all these really smart baseball people are saying this thing and I just don't get it. Am I an idiot or am I a savant? Like, like what is what is happening? You're like Will Farrell's character in Zoolander, Mugatu. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I do. Yes. I do. Maybe I, you are. I don't know. I think that this is going to be a good race, but I think on paper if you were the Twins just for 2019, I think you would trade rosters with the Cleveland Indians right now. If you just wanted to win like this 25 year's division, for 25? Straight up. Nope. I would, I got 40 for 40. I would just, here you go, line them up, see what happens this season. No. I would take their roster. Manny, I know we have about a minute left. Would you do that? 40-man roster for 40-man roster? I, I, I'm sticking with the Twins. I'm not 100% sure. I would. I will say this, that, and and this is no disrespect to Rocco Baldelli, but I think the one thing the Cleveland Indians have going for themselves is Tito Francona. Tito, man, he is one I'll give of you that. the I'll give you that. best managers, and has been one of the best managers really since he managed the Red Sox to the World Series, the sure. first World Series in two thousand four. You could not. He's that, one of the best. Not that it's going to play out this way, but you could count Rocco Baldelli from the Tito tree. I mean, because yeah. he played for him in Boston, I believe, and then uh, came up, grew up under Kevin Cash, who's a Tito guy. So there's something there. I mean, they're, they're, we're splitting hairs here once we get down to that level. So maybe that helps illustrate the point even that these teams are pretty close. And look, I should say this before Twins fans uh, stock my car in the parking lot outside <laughs> the home opener. I would rather have the Twins going forward. Like for the next five years, I think that the Twins' future looks brighter. But for 2019, if you gave me the option to trade 40 man rosters and say, here you go, go get them, 
and I'm taking Cleveland's right now, and I I think that they are the favorites in this division. I think that's fair. Not me. And I, I hope this isn't coming off, again, I've said this before, as me, you know, the new guy in town trying to win over Twins fans and make friends here. That's really not it. I'm not above those tactics, but that's not what I'm doing here. This is really what I think. I'm not I think, above that. I think they're not. a better baseball team than than the Cleveland Indians. I just do. I just don't see what people are seeing in the Indians. If you want to hear any of this show that you may have missed or the Glenn Perkins show or Five Thoughts, search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts and come celebrate opening day with us tomorrow, noon to 6, at Kieran's Irish Pub. This has been Touch Them All. See you tomorrow.